what are we discussing on today's podcast? Well, how about the D-backs moving on to the NLDS, takeaways from game two, what the D-backs need to improve on if they want to beat the Dodgers in segment number two, and then answering the question, can the D-backs actually beat the Dodgers in segment number three, breaking it all down and so much more on today's Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Swing for the fences on Sleeper Picks, and you can win up to 100 times payout. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code Locked On, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details, currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. And for today's podcast, we got to talk about the D-backs taking down the Brew Crew. D-backs are moving on to the NLDS with a clean sweep over the Brewers. Absolutely beautiful. We saw Zach Gallen start this game. We saw him get, you know, roughed up a little bit in the first inning, able to come through. Bullpen, once again, phenomenal. Saw the answer backs make an appearance, and in the end, the D-backs take down the Brewers. So let's talk about some game way, uh, some, let's talk about some takeaways from game two before we talk about what the D-backs need to improve on if they want to take down the Dodgers in segment number two, and then actually answer the question, can the D-backs take down the Dodgers in game three? But let's first start with our takeaways from game two of the series because the D-backs swept the Brew Crew. Maybe surprising to some considering the Brewers won over 90 games this season. But if you know anything about the Brewers, they are kind of like a regular season team, kind of like Tampa Bay, who we saw lose to the Texas Rangers. The Brewers better pay Corbin Burns if they want to keep him around. I know he struggled in game one to the D-backs, but it's not like you're going to go deeper in the postseason if you let a guy like that walk in free agency. Um, we did see the Brewers lose seven, lose a seven-game series back in 2018 in the NLCS to the LA Dodgers. So maybe it's a little disingenuous to say they're just a regular season team. But look at the Brewers team the last few years. You could pick them as a dark horse team because of that elite rotation. They were never able to come through in the biggest moments, not come through in the NLCS, right? Um I mean, after 2018, you know, since 2019, this Brewers team has not been able to leave the NLDS. Freddie Peralta was pretty dominant in Game 2 until he wasn't. This D-backs team had a phenomenal comeback in Game 2. Only the fourth team ever to overcome a multi-run multi deficit in each of their first two postseason games. Joining the 2009 Yankees, who of course went on to win the World Series, the 08 Rays, and the 1956 Dodgers, and those other three teams all did so at home. D-backs did it on the road. We saw Zach Gallen start this game, and at first, it looked like it was the second half. Late season, Zach Gallen started this game because he struggled mightily in that first inning, allowed 32 pitches. He was really getting worked. It felt like the Brewers were just locked in on every pitch. Like It just looked like one of those Zach Gallen starts where he was going to give up six earned runs, and you just have your 
head in your hands, frustrated, like, where is the elite Zach Gallon that we're so accustomed to that we know and love? And we didn't see that guy in the first inning, but after the first inning, really settled down because when you consider he threw 100 pitches in this game, 32 of them in the first inning, like he did settle down mightily. And maybe some of it was because, let's remember, even though Zach Gallon has been on this D-backs team for a few seasons now, he's still in his late 20s, still in his prime, and this is his very first career postseason start. So he might have had some nerves. He might have had some jitters out there, some anxiety in his first start. I think we saw that in the first inning. But thankfully, he was able to settle down and get back on track after that. We saw Zach Gallon make some really nasty pitchers after that first inning to get himself out of some jams. Even made that sick defensive play in the third inning with the ball off his glove. So I think Zach Gallon going forward, maybe he struggles early in the ball game, but if he can get through the first inning jitters, I think we'll be fine with Zach Gallon. Zach Allen is someone that all D-backs fans believe is an ace, and outside of the first inning, I think he definitely showed why D-backs fans believe that. We want to see more of that Zach Allen, like I've said on podcasts leading up to the start. The playoffs are where legends are made. The playoffs are where resumes are stamped, and we've seen guys like the Clayton Kershaws of the world have phenomenal regular seasons, struggle in the postseason. Even a guy like Justin Verlander struggles on the biggest stage that time. So for Zach Gallon, like, are you going to be a Kershaw who's great in the regular season and then suck in the postseason? Or are you going to be like a Madison Bumgarner who goes up another level in the postseason? So far through one start, I think it's pretty even-keeled for Zach Gallon. I wouldn't say one way or, the no- or, one way or another. I'll just say he still looks like Zach Allen through one career postseason start. And hopefully he has another level to get to, you know, to tap into because you go back to Brandon Fott in the first start. Like you just see the difference between them. Brandon Fott rookie wasn't able to settle in after that first inning, repeatedly gave up hard contact after that first. But for Zach Allen struggled in the first inning and then looked dominant the rest of the way. So I think that's really the big difference when you look at the, veteran versus the rookie starting pitcher in a playoff series second takeaway from this game two for the d-backs sal frank and thompson are just revolutionary pitchers for this d-backs bullpen thompson was elite in game one getting out of jams for this d-backs bullpen and then only needed eight pitches for three outs in game two this is someone that had a 6.11 era with tampa bay before getting cut earlier this season in the regular season for the d-backs only one earned run over 13 innings pitch this guy had just been a a godsend because we talk about this d-backs bullpen so much how much it struggled the last few years finding reliable relievers and you found two guys right in the nick of time in the postseason the first one being ryan thompson the second guy being sal frank who i mean this d-backs bullpen through two games in the playoffs have been able to lean on each other and been able to get each other out of jams like i mentioned ryan thompson in game one and was able to do it sal frank was the dude in game two got ginkle out of a bases loaded one out jam which looked really sticky thought the d-backs were going to give up some damage there but sal frank got the job done this is another dude unheralded two five three era between double and triple a this season a rookie zero earned runs over 10.1 regular season innings pitch and was able to get the job done in his first career a postseason appearance absolutely phenomenal job by both ryan thompson and sal frank in this series and then I know that fourth inning was a little fluky, but who cares? The D-backs offense was able to come through um, tonight and especially in that inning. Three for five runners in scoring position on the day. 
Marte and Corbin Carroll continue to be the two biggest impact players in the lineup. Marte had a huge knock that scored two. Now, I say this inning was a little fluky because Marte did get caught in a rundown trying to score in this inning, so he gets thrown out. But then after him, you get a wild pitch, which scores a run, and then you get that really weird little bloop single by Lourdes Gurriel that scores another run. So fourth, a little fluky. The Keto Marte was a true knock, but then the way that the D-backs got the other two runs, a, a little weird. And then the final takeaway that I have from game number two is hopefully Gabriel Moreno is okay. We saw him take a bat to the back of the head on just a follow-through swing by one of those. I think it was the rookie free lick for the Brewers. Like, it was just one of those unfortunate, unlucky situations. We know how important Gabriel Moreno has been to this D-backs team all season long. We know the record when he's in the lineup. Like, the D-backs are a tremendously better team. Um, because of what he can do behind the plate defensively, throwing out runners, solid contact hitter. We saw the home run in game one. Like, we know how important Gabriel Moreno is. He seems like he's okay, might not have to miss any time, might not have to go through concussion protocol. Sounds like it's a little different for catchers. We'll see what happens with him. I do like Jose Herrera. I'm not mad at him. He's not, like, an elite catcher, but considering what Carson Kelly was giving us at the start of the year, like, I think Jose Herrera does a fine job defensively. I feel like he always catches the pitcher's as well and every now and then he does come through with a pretty big clutch knock so I'm not too mad at that D-backs come through in a huge way in game two they sweep the brew crew and now they're on to face the Dodgers in LA and we'll talk about what they need to improve on if they want to beat the Dodgers in LA in segment number two but before we get there, I first want to talk to you guys about Sleeper because the MLB playoffs are here, which means the clock is ticking on your chance for 100 times cash payout on daily fantasy baseball. Baseball has never been more exciting than it is now with studs like Acuna, Betts, and Otani. Pick more or less stats for these stars like home runs, hits, strikeouts, and more, and went up to 100 times payout on Sleeper. Get your picks right, and you can win big. I love Sleeper, too, not just for daily fantasy baseball, but also for fantasy football because my Dynasty League is on Sleeper. We archive our rookies on there. We do the rookie draft. It saves our players and keepers from year to year. So Sleeper is great if you want to make money, daily fantasy baseball, Dynasty League, regular fantasy football. You can use it for everything. So use promo code locked on and you'll get up to a hundred dollar match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See sleepers terms of use for details. Go to sleeper.com and use promo code locked on. Don't forget to catch every D-backs pitch on the hometown broadcast when you download the Sirius XM app and search up Diamondbacks. But now let's continue the podcast and let's talk about some things that the D-backs need to work on and improve on for this series against the LA Dodgers because as good as the D-backs were in this series against the Brewers, because don't get me wrong, the offense was really good. We all know about the answer backs. They lived up to their name in this series. Like I said, only like the fourth team ever to do what the D-backs did in terms of uh, deficits in the first two in the first two postseason games. So the offense, the answer backs are great. The bullpen was elite as well. But even with all the positivities and the nice clean sweep and feeling good about the Carols and the Martes and Zach Allen settling down after game one, 
there are things that the D-backs need to work on if they want to face this Dodgers team and take them down because let's be real this Dodgers team is a menace they've been they're kind of like the Astros of the National League like they're in like the championship series feels like every year they're as good of a bet as anyone to make it to the World Series like you probably pick them or the Atlanta Braves like this Dodgers team no one in the National League playoffs, even the Atlanta Braves, is more battle-tested than this Dodgers franchise, than the Clayton Kershaws of the world. Like, they've seen everything. They've been in so many different postseason atmospheres, and they're not going to be scared at all. So the D-backs want to be this Dodgers team. They're going to have to play their A game. And we're going to be talking about in segment number three, if the D-backs can beat the Dodgers. But here are some things that the D-backs need to at least work on to give themselves a fighting chance against the Dodgers. The first thing, they can't keep expecting to be bailed out of these runners and scoring position opportunities against the Dodgers. I'm talking specifically with the pitching, with the pitching staff and the bullpen because the bullpen has been walking some tight ropes at times. We saw in game one, multiple times where the, where the Brewers had two men on, usually second, third, less than two outs, and the D-backs were able to get it out, give them credit. We saw Mantiply come in for Brandon Fott and get them out the jam. We saw Ryan Thompson come in, I think, for Kyle Nelson. Not Kyle Nelson. Ryan Nelson give them out the jam. We saw Sal Frank do it in game number two and get, um, who was it? I don't even remember at this point. Oh, get Ginkle out the jam in game two. So it's like, I don't know how much we can keep trusting this D-backs bullpen to continue to walk this tightrope. You're going against this LA Dodgers team, which just has so much more firepower because you look at the Brewers team, like, it's nice. Like, the Christian Yelchers definitely showed up and came through in the postseason series. Every time he was at the plate, it felt like he got a single or a double or just put together a good plate appearance. William Contreras, I was scared of him every time because he's a legit offensive weapon despite being a catcher. But outside of that, like like Willie Adamas, historically, I think he's a really good player, but he's not having himself a fantastic season. The rest of the lineup, like it wasn't really that scary. But now you're going against this Dodgers team. Like If it's second and third, one out, bases loaded one out like some of the situations we saw against the Brewers team, but it's Mookie Betts at the plate. It's Freddie Freeman at the plate. It's Will Smith at the plate. It's Max Muncy at the plate. It's J.D. Martinez at the plate. Like that's a way bigger deal than a free lick at the plate or uh, Josh Donaldson at the plate. So this D-backs bullpen, as good as it's been, as as shut down as it's been, as shut down as it's been in the postseason and the month of September, I don't know if you want to keep putting this bullpen in these type rope situations and betting on them to get you through those type of situations. Ideally, I think you would want, hopefully, a Zach Allen or Merrill Kelly could go maybe seven innings, give the bullpen a little bit more rest. Um, hopefully the bullpen puts less runners on. We don't have as many opportunities where you see the opponent or you see the opposing team with, you know, second and third runner on third, less than two outs. Those are the worst kind of run scoring situations. If you're the home team, hopefully the D backs don't put themselves in those situations too much. The bullpen has been able to come through so far, but I don't know how much more he can trust the bullpen to work the walk, the tightrope over the next series against the LA Dodgers. Um, we're going to need one of the pending outfield free agents and either Tommy Pham or Lord Gurriel to step up because both of them have just been disappointing to start the postseason. Tommy Pham, one for four. He, 
uh, didn't do anything in game one. Lords Goriel, I know, had an RBI single in game two. But both of them are just batting 125 through the first two games. Both of them, I think, only have one hit total, maybe two hits total. Like, they just haven't done anything. It's been a lot of whiffs. It's been a lot of strikeouts. It's a lot of, I just don't trust you at the plate in a big moment. I don't trust you to get the inning started, to put the crooked number on the board. Right now, like, they both just look, is it unconfident? Is it overmatched? I don't know, but I just don't like the type of plate appearances that they're getting. I don't like their at-bats. Like, I watch Araldo Perdomo. He's just even-keeled. He's watching every pitch come in. He's not flinching. He's not chasing anything. The Tommy fans, the Gurriels, like, there have been times where they've been kind of screwed by the strike zone, but I feel like they're chasing a little bit more. They're just a little bit more too aggressive at certain pitches. I just think they need to be a little bit more patient at the plate, really key in on their pitch, and hopefully uh, come through in some opportunities because... Those are two guys, like, we look at this D-backs roster, we talk about the lack of playoff experience, but, like, Lourdes Gurriel has been to the playoffs a couple times with the Toronto Blue Jays. And Tommy Pham, he's been around the block, was on the post was on a postseason roster just last season with the New York Mets. Like, both of those guys have some playoff warts. Both of those guys are veterans. Like, Tommy Pham's, like, 35 years old. He's been in Major League Baseball for a while. Lourdes Gurriel, he's been in baseball for, like, five or six years as well. So, hopefully, those guys can kick up and... Like, if you want to get paid in the offseason, like, the best place, the best way to do that is to come through in the postseason. So, hopefully, one of those two guys can get going. Uh, don't let the Dodgers jump out to an early lead uh, in this series, please, because we saw the Fots and the Gallons of the world just struggle in that first inning. And when you look at the Dodgers batting splits for this team, the first inning has actually been the best for the Dodgers. Uh, sadly, they have the best slash line in the first inning as opposed to any other inning. Like the first inning is the inning for this Dodgers team. So hopefully this D-backs team, the pitching staff can limit this Dodgers team in that first inning. Uh, we don't want to continue the trend of seeing your starters give up Early leads, be down two, three runs after the first inning, after the second inning. Hopefully, Merrill Kelly doesn't do that in game one of the next series. So keep the Dodgers off the board early. This next one, I don't even need to say it, but I'm going to still say it. Need Gabriel Moreno in the lineup. Need Gabriel, like I said, so much better. D-backs are when he's in the lineup. So hopefully, Gabriel Moreno could come back healthy for this D-backs team. Don't make silly mistakes on the base pass. We saw that a couple times. We saw Perdomo get thrown out at third base in game one in the ninth inning. We saw Marte get thrown down, get thrown out in a rundown in game two, trying to score. I love the aggressiveness by this D-backs team. That's been their strength all year. Chaos on the base paths, but don't get stupid. Don't get overly aggressive and get silly. Still be smart with it. So hopefully the D-backs can still maintain their aggressiveness, but Keep it a little bit more poised. And then the final thing that the D-backs need to improve on is don't overwork the Ginkles and the Seawalds of the world. Ginkle in game one went two innings. I think we saw in game two him deal with a little bit more fatigue. Then Paul Seawald, I mean, I don't want to overwork him because he's just a guy that loves to give up contact, loves to put two runners on. So if he's someone that's already tired, like fully healthy, full throttle Seawald is already giving up a walk and a double with two outs. So fatigue Seawald, one of those guys might end up scoring. Like, I, I don't want to see that. So don't overwork the Ginkles and the Seawalds. I need, I, I think they need to be the eighth and ninth inning guys, but 
maybe we limit the amount of two-inning relief appearances that we see from McGinkle going forward. But at the same time, it's like it's the postseason, so you want to see your best pitchers out there. But I don't know how much how much longer those guys can be our best relievers if we just overwork them into the ground in the first couple playoff series, you know, or the first couple playoff games. So let's not overwork those guys. Let's try to stretch them out a little bit longer as we try to take down the Dodgers in this NLDS series. And we'll be talking about and answering the question of can the D-bags take down the Dodgers in the NLDS? But before we get there, I first want to talk to you guys about bunches because Okay, Locked on Dimeback fans, you may have heard us talk about the free new app just for, just for sports fans called Bunches. Bunches is a new social network built for sports fans. No politics, no doom and gloom, unless you're a Yankees fan. Just sports all the time. They've recently released a new scoreboard feature that lets you check live scores in the app and chat about live games as they happen. You can chat about Diamondbacks and join the Locked On Bunch by clicking the link in the show notes description to get the app or go to the Apple App Store and download Bunches now. Download the Bunches app today, and when you do, our friends at Bunches have featured the Locked On MLB Bunch in the Discover tab. You can also click the link in the description show notes to join the Locked On MLB Bunch community today. So download Bunches and go join the Locked On MLB Bunch today. Get to catch every D backs pitch on their hometown broadcast when you download the series XM app and search up Diamondbacks. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. Let's actually answer the question Can the D backs get revenge for the 2017 L- NLDS and take down the Dodgers? Because back in 2017, of course, the D backs had that crazy postseason run. That's back when you only had a one game wild card format. They took down the Rockies in that crazy one game wild card berth. And then in the postseason, you know, in the NLDS against the LA Dodgers, the D backs got swept 3 0. And the question is can the D backs? win at least one game this year can the d-backs actually take down the dodgers in the nlds and i think the i i think the d-backs can do more than just win one game i actually do think the d-backs can take down the dodgers in the nlds but it won't be easy and if you're asking me to pick I will pick the Dodgers to beat the D-backs in this series. I'm sorry, D-backs fans. I want the D-backs to win this series, but if you're asking me to bet on the team, I'll put my money on the Dodgers, but I do think the D-backs have a chance. The main reason is this is the most vulnerable pitching staff we've probably ever seen from the Dodgers in recent memory. Of course, you still got the legend, the timeless wonder, Clayton Kershaw going out there in game one. Coming off another fantastic season, sub three ERA. But the issue with Clayton Kershaw, once again, another season where he's not fully healthy, dealt with some injuries throughout the year, missed some time. How healthy is he going to be for game one and just the rest of the postseason? And also, he's just a guy we know has struggled when those lights have gotten pretty bright at times. This is someone that we know has struggled on the biggest stage in the postseason for some reason. Clayton Kershaw. 
had just kind of turned into a pumpkin at times in the postseason. And he's not the first, like, legend we've seen this. Like, we've seen it across other sports. Like, I always say, Clayton Kershaw is just the Peyton Manning of Major League Baseball. Because if you go look at Peyton Manning's postseason career, he's like a 500 quarterback in the playoffs with, like, as many picks as touchdowns. And, like, for Clayton Kershaw, like, it's the same thing. Maybe the greatest regular season pitcher of all time. And then just, like a mid-rotation starter once he gets to the postseason, which is not something you would expect from an all-time, all-time legend in the regular season. But that's what he is in the postseason. Now that he's like in his mid-30s, like he's susceptible. So it wouldn't surprise me if the D-backs got to Clint Kershaw on game one. I wouldn't think that's... I, I don't think it's possible. I don't think it's likely. Let me say this. I don't think it's probable. I don't think it's likely. But it is. It is possible. And then in game two... You might either have a Lance Lynn or a Bobby Miller going for the L.A. Dodgers. Like, listen, Lance Lynn in his prime, he was a stud. He was a really good pitcher for the Chicago White Sox and who else? The St. Louis Cardinals, whoever he pitched for throughout his career. Really good. But this season, Lance Lynn, uh, you could definitely take it to Lance Lynn. I mean, gave up 44 home runs in the regular season. Really, uh, I want to say led the league in home runs allowed. ERA north of five on the season, like, the first couple starts he had with L.A. post the trade deadline, he looked pretty good. And then he just turned back into normal Lance Lynn from the course of the regular season where he just gives up a lot of hard contact. So I kind of want to see Lance Lynn start a postseason game against the D-backs because hopefully the D-backs would be able to take it to Lance Lynn. And then Bobby Miller, I think he's really good. I like Bobby Miller a lot. The only issue is he's a rookie and the D-back just threw out their prize rookie in Brandon Fott. Maybe Bobby Miller is better than him. Dodgers do have a better developmental system, but I, I just don't know how much you would trust a rookie if you're the L.A. Dodgers. So, like, that's your one, two, three, potentially. Clayton Kershaw, who's old and has always struggled in the postseason. Lance Lynn, another old guy who has struggled in the regular season this year. And then Bobby Miller, who just doesn't have a resume at all and has only made a handful of starts. So not super scared of the Dodgers rotation entering this series. I talked about in segment number two, this lineup is stacked, way more stacked than this Brewers lineup. But at the same time, the lineup is not as stacked as we've seen in years past for this D-backs team. Of course, you still got the Freddie Freemans and the Mookie Betts, two guys who are probably going to finish two and three in some order in the MVP voting. But in the past, you've also had the Corey Seegers who are lighting it up for the Texas Rangers, the Cody Bellingers who's going to get a major bag this offseason, or the Trey Turners who just got a major bag this past offseason. Like, those are the kind of guys who you let go this past offseason and the past couple offseasons. Now, I know Max I know Max Muncie is having a bounce back season, but he's still very power dependent. And I don't know how much trust you have in a Max Muncie to you know, carry over that regular season to the postseason. Will Smith, he's a beast. I love Will Smith. But when you look at it, when you look at his regular season numbers from this year, a little bit lower than what his numbers are normally compared to what his career average is. Maybe JD Martinez and Jason Hayward, two guys who are having really good seasons, like JD Martinez leaving the Red Sox last year, really had no power this year. Powers back. Huge bounce back season. Jason Hayward, like I've talked about in a couple pods the last couple weeks, like maybe the best season he's had since his rookie season. Like, can you expect those two old guys to continue and keep it going as we enter the postseason? I don't know. So even though this Dodgers team is way, way better than the Brewers, like this Dodgers team is not as good as we've seen compared to other Dodgers teams in the years past. So I just think that lineup is just a little bit more vulnerable than what we've seen the last couple of years. And then 
could the D-backs have big-time nerves against the Dodgers team considering the lack of experience on this D-backs team, the 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 youth on this D-backs team? For sure. But I think we've seen that with the Zach Gallons and the Brendan Fats of the world. I think that's why they started the way they did in the first inning. I think we saw some nerves, some anxiety from those guys, but I think it's more about them entering a playoff atmosphere for the first time, first career playoff starts in than them just being nervous to face like the Brewers. Like, I don't think any of these guys are going to be nervous to face the LA Dodgers. These guys might just be nervous to be moving on to the second round of the postseason and just continue to pay, you know, just continue to play in big postseason games and matchups. Like, I'm not sure if it's the Dodgers team specifically that might give some nerves to these D-backs players. It just might be the overall playoff atmosphere because the D-backs team has, has faced the Dodgers a lot over the last few years, right? inner division rivals, NL West rivals. So it's not like these two teams are unfamiliar with these with each other. So I don't think the D-backs are going to be surprised by anything that the Dodgers do. I actually like the fact that the D-backs have been playing already. They've been playing well and can carry some of that momentum into LA. So I'm actually feeling good about the D-backs right now as they get ready to face off against the Dodgers. I'm not saying the D-backs have a high chance of being the Dodgers, but I think it's possible. I'll probably put it at... Like 75 25 Dodgers over D backs, 75% chance the Dodgers win. And you could even say that's too high, but I think that's pretty strong with how the D backs have already looked this postseason and how vulnerable I think the Dodgers are this year compared to years past. This Dodgers team, like I said before, just don't let them get off early. 257 average, 795 OPS in the first inning this season. They're, um, or not in the first inning this season. That's their slash line on the whole year. 257 average, 779, excuse me, 257 average, 795 OPS on the season for this Dodgers team. That's their slash line composite for all the players combined. And if you split it up home and away, it's essentially the same. It's literally it's literally like 253 and 254, and then like 790 is 797. Like home and away, this Dodgers team puts up the same splits. But at Chase Field, this Dodgers team, 240 average, 757 OPS. So my point, this Dodgers team is a below average offense compared to their normal standards when they play in Arizona. So for this D-backs team, if they want to take down the Dodgers, go split the first two in LA and then let's finish this thing off in Arizona. Now, that's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Preview some more this D-backs versus Dodgers series. We'll talk about Game 2 and Merrill Kelly taking on the Dodgers. Thank you to everyone for tuning into the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Uh, continue to make Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. Don't forget to catch every D-backs pitch on their hometown broadcast when you download the series XM app and search up Diamondbacks. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Doses.